in the last session, when we covered Risala to Fitawheed of Al Imam Ibrahim Al Bajuri Rahimallah Ta'ala, we completed Alhamdulillah the twenty essential attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their opposites. That which is essential, necessary, wajib Lillah for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that which is muhal impossible and that which is permissible and i mentioned also that the attributes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are not limited to 20 or 7 as some people may claim in fact the attributes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are unlimited because al-kamal perfection of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unlimited after completing this and the various discussions revolving around those attributes in summary we now turn to belief in the messengers والسلام, which is the belief that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent down and dispatched messengers al-rusul different to if someone just claims to be a theist they believe in a god but they do not believe in messengers this would still entail kufr, disbelief. So in Al-Islam, it's essential to believe in Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and all the previous messengers prior to Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa wasallam. So the author, rahimallahu ta'ala, he states, وَيَجِبُ It is essential فِي حَقِّ الرُّسُلِ عَلَيْهِمُ الصَّلَاةُ والسلام. It is essential to believe with regard to the right of the messengers alayhimu salatu wassalam as-sidq What is as-sidq? As-sidq is truthfulness that they must by essence by essential nature be truthful they cannot be liars wa-diddhuhu al-kathibu The opposite to this is lying. So ascription of lying to Anbiya alayhimu salatu wasalam is impossible. Some people may give the story of Sayyiduna Ibrahim alayhi salam when he went to Egypt. That was not al-kithb or al-kathib. When he referred to Sayyidatuna Sara alayhi salam as his sister, that was al-ukht. Fil Iman, sister in Al Iman, as well as that that incident occurred in a specific context. So Sayyiduna Ibrahim salam, he did not lie by saying she's my sister. He said that in order to protect her from the danger of the Egyptian king at that time. So Al Kadib lying is impossible for Anbiya Alihim What is the basic proof for this? والدليل على ذلك the proof for that أنهم لو كذبوا that if they lied 
لكان خبر الله سبحانه وتعالى كاذبا what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us of would be a lie also. And that is impossible, meaning the revelation being a lie is impossible. As it is intrinsically impossible for Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam to lie, it is intrinsically impossible for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to lie or a lie be ascribed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is not permitted to ascribe lying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his attributes is truthful. So therefore to ascribe him with falsehood or lying, this would entail a contradiction to the attribute of truthfulness. So, after truthfulness, and we know Rasulullah was known as As-Sadiqul Amin, As-Sadiqul Amin, the truthful, Al-Amin, the trustworthy one. The author states, وَيَجِبُ فِي حَقِّهِمْ عَلِيهِمُ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ الْأَمَانَةُ It's essential in the rights of the prophets what is al-amana fidelity or trustworthiness they do not have treachery so he states the opposite to this is al-khiyana treachery meaning like al-kidb is impossible for anbiya Likewise, treachery is impossible for Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam. You cannot ascribe treachery to the Prophets alayhimu salatu wassalam. وَالدَّلِيلُ عَلَى ذَلِكَ And the proof for that, أَنَّهُمْ لَوْ خَانُوا بِفَعْلٍ مُحَرَّمٍ If they were treacherous by carrying out a prohibited act, أَوْ مَكْرُوهٍ we would be commanded to do similar types of things. And it is not valid for us to carry out that which is muharram, prohibited, and that which is makruh. So a sidq, truthfulness, is essential for all Anbiya alayhi salatu wassalam. Likewise, Al-Amanatu. Here some people will give citation with regard to the incident of Adam alayhi salam. There are two things to be noted with regard to Sayyiduna Adam alayhi salam. Number one, the prohibition was prohibition of what? Of nudb, of recommendation. The prohibition was a prohibition of recommendation. Why? When Sayyiduna Adam salam was commanded not to partake of the tree, this was because he was in paradise. And the nature of the people of paradise is that they do not have any biological needs to relieve themselves. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded him and his wife not to eat from the tree which was of a worldly nature. If they do eat from the tree, they would wrong themselves in which sense? In the sense that while being in paradise, they eat from a worldly tree. A tree was planted in paradise. 
which was of a worldly nature, that would entail that when they eat from that tree, they would have biological needs. Like in paradise, you do not feel cold or heat. In paradise, you do not feel hunger or thirst. But by eating from this tree, Adam salam would wrong himself by eating from the tree and then having those needs. So this was a prohibition of recommendation. When prophets salam are given a command and the command is for something desirable and they violate the command, they treat that as a sin. They ask forgiveness the way, in fact, better than anyone who would sin. So if someone, a common person sinned, even a wali, if he sinned, the tawbah of a nabi for something which was recommended and not doing that which was recommended is greater than all the tawbah of everyone put together. And this is why Sayyiduna Adam salam cried so much. So there was no actual sin. It was a violation of a recommendation and then he was sent to earth. There is also the point with regard to Sayyiduna Adam salam that he had no volition at the time of eating the fruit. What type of fruit it was is never mentioned in the Quran or the Sunnah. It's disputed. Commentators give a different uh, statement with regard to what was actually consumed by Sayyiduna Adam salam. some say wheat but whatever was consumed it gave him the worldly nature and he did tawbah and whatever reference is made to Sayyiduna Adam salam, it is because Anbiya salam, when they violate something which is recommended they treat it as the highest wali would treat a sin greater than him in terms of tawbah like for instance, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was commanded to pray Qiyamul Layl. Qiyamul Layl is nawafil. Yet if Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ever missed Qiyamul Layl, a recommendation, he would treat it the way someone would treat a sin. Similarly, Sayyiduna Musa salam, when he struck the copt and the copt died, Sayyiduna Musa salam, was not carrying out anything wrong. The copt was violating the rights of a person from Bani Israel, beating someone. In order to reprimand and restrain him, Sayyiduna Musa salam, struck him. He died as a result. This is not a sin. Because Anbiya Ali Musalam they have fidelity. This was Sayyiduna Musa salam, striking the man to restrain him and the man died. Like for instance, if someone was given a ta'zir punishment, a discretional punishment by the Khalifa, or a had punishment, and as a process of the punishment died, it does not mean the Khalifa has carried out a sin. The Khalifa was carrying out what was fard upon him. But if a person died as a result, this would be counted as an accident which was not intended. And similarly with all the other actions ascribed to Anbiya Ali wassalam, which people bring up with regard to Anbiya Ali wassalam, ostensibly what people refer to as sins. They are free from sins. They cannot do actions which are haram. 
الانبیاء علیہم الصلاۃ والسلام معصوم معصوم means that they cannot even sin the same cannot be said regarding anyone else with everyone else they are not described as al ma'sum the shia rawafid they hold the position that the 12 imams are ma'sum they believe the 12 imams cannot sin this is a false belief the anbiya ali musallatu wassalam are the only ones that are described as being al ma'sum after this the author rahimallahu ta'ala he says وَيَجِبُ فِي حَقِّهِمْ عَلِيهِمُ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ It is essential in their rights, meaning the right of the Anbiya عَلِيهِمُ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ تَبْلِيغُ مَا أُمِرُوا بِتَبْلِيغِهِ لِلْخَلْقِ To convey what they have been commanded to convey to the creation, meaning they do not conceal something. وَضِدُّهُ كِتْمَانُ ذَلِكَ The opposite to this, is concealment what dalilu ala dhalika what is the dalil with regard to that annahum law katamu shay'an that if they concealed anything mimma umiru bi tablighi from those things which they were commanded to convey lakunna ma'murina bi kitmani al-ilm we also would be commanded to conceal knowledge wala yasihu and it is not valid that we be commanded to conceal knowledge because the one who conceals knowledge is accursed this means the Anbiya were commanded to convey their revelations whatever book was revealed upon them and the explanation of that book with regard to Rasulullah he was commanded to recite the Qur'an, convey the Qur'an, and the explanation of the Qur'an, which is the Sunnah. Both Al-Qur'an and Sunnah have been preserved, and it is not permissible for anyone to conceal that knowledge. Someone went to Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an, and he said, Do you, Ahlul Bayt, the household of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, have a knowledge which is concealed? And he said, no, accept an understanding which a person may be given. Meaning they have an understanding of the Qur'an and Sunnah, but they are not concealing the knowledge of the Qur'an and Sunnah. And he had something which was known as Sahifa Sadiqa, which was a, which was a scroll which contained so many of the hadith of Rasulullah that he would read out to the people. The Sahifa Sadiqa is preserved by Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah in the works of Hadith. So all the Hadith from Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an that are recorded in the collections of Hadith would be counted as a Sahifa Sadiqa of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an. And from the Al Khulafa al Rashidun, two Khulafa have the most Hadith. One is Sayyiduna Umar. And the other is Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu anhuma, which disproves the point that the Shia make where they say the Sunnis conceal the knowledge of the Ahlul Bayt. So sometimes they say the Sunnis do not have narrations from the tw- 12 Imams in their books of Hadith. What they do not mention is that from 
the Sahaba, one of the most prolific Sahaba to narrate hadith in the Sunni collections is Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu anhu himself. More than Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, who is superior. So the Sunnis deem Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu superior, yet they have more hadith from Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu anhu in their works. Additionally, we have only a few hadith from the four imams in the six books of hadith. Very few hadith from them. And also, if you just read a work like a Tirmidhi, a Sunan, which is known as Al-Jami', you will find many hadith from Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an and the companions of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an. So the Ahlul Bayt do not have a distinct creed to the creed of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. They have the same creed. And the fiqh of Al-Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq, the descendant of the, of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is preserved in the Hanafi fiqh. How? In the Hanafi school, you have the Hashi of Ibn Abidin. Who is Ibn Abidin? His name is Umar bin Abidin, rahimahullah ta'ala, who is a descendant of Al-Imam Zainu al-Abidin. The most relied upon work from the later Hanafis is the work Raddul Muhtar, which is known as what the Hashi of Ibn Abidin, who's from the Ahlul Bayt, a descendant of Imam Zainul Abidin. And Imam Abu Hanifa, Rahimallah Ta'ala, said, Lawla sanatan nu'man, if it were not two years, meaning which he spent with Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq, and nu'man, meaning Abu Hanifa, would have perished. The fiqh of Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq was preserved by Imam Abu Hanifa and Imam Malik. Imam Malik was also a student of Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq radiyallahu anhum ajma'in. Additionally, of course, the entire Shia school does not make any sense because Sayyiduna Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq radiyallahu anhu would not approve of people cursing his maternal grandfather. Who was his maternal grandfather? Sayyiduna Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. That does not make any logical sense. Additionally, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would not be buried in his noble grave for f- over 1400 years next to two, waliyadhu billah, quoting them next to two munafiqeen. This can never happen. It's an impossibility. It doesn't make any logical sense. Because... A person when he is buried, he is buried where he is deservedly buried. And anyone who is buried next to Rasulullah will have the highest of stations. So, the Anbiya do not conceal anything. And then you of course have subsidiary groups of the Shia, like the Baha'is and other groups. The very essence and foundations of Shiaism is false which claims that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala must select an imam. It's an obligation on Allah. The Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, our belief is what? The dispatching of Anbiya prophets is a favor of Allah. There's a big difference. It's a favor of Allah to send messengers alayhim salatu was salam. He is not obliged to send messengers alayhim salatu was salam. Secondly, the claim that 
Sayyiduna Ali radiyallahu an was designated as successor by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a false claim because that would entail that Sayyiduna Ali radiyallahu an was guilty along with the companions, all of those companions who gave oath of allegiance to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu an and then they gave the oath of allegiance to Sayyiduna Umar radiyallahu an then they gave the oath of allegiance to Sayyiduna Uthman radiyallahu an this is illogical additionally it's illogical for anyone to claim that Sayyiduna Umar radiyallahu an broke down the door of Sayyiduna Fatima radiyallahu anha or had her house burnt down or attacked her in any way that led to a miscarriage because that would entail that na'udhu billah it would entail that Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an was a coward and unable to do things according to that logic. Therefore the Shia are the greatest nawasib. What are nawasib? People who despise the Ahlul Bayt. How are they the greatest nawasib? Because holding on to that belief would entail the majority of the Ahlul Bayt are misguided. This is why they limit themselves to the 12 Imams. And they despise as Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Jilani radiallahu an. Additionally, what does it entail that Fadak, the garden of Fadak, Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an did not give the garden of Fadak to the Ahlul Bayt as a personal property. He carried on the way Sayyiduna Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu an carried on. Similarly, Sayyiduna Al-Imam Al-Hasan radiallahu an, he did not give the garden of Fadak to the Ahlul Bayt when he made peace with Muawiyah radiallahu an. He did not give a, he did not give the garden of Fadak to the Ahlul Bayt. He carried on the way Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an carried on. Then later on, in the time of Yazid, the garden of Fadak was made the pro- personal property of the Banu Umayyah. And then this was rectified by Umar bin Abdul Aziz rahimallahu ta'ala in the year 99 after Hijri. The point being that if Sayyiduna Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu an his, his decision based on the hadith regarding Fadak was wrong, then that would entail Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an a futai was wrong and Sayyiduna Ali Imam al-Hassan radiallahu an was wrong. Similarly, if the companions who fought Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an did not make a mistake in ijtihad, then that would entail that the brother of Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an, Aqil bin Abi Talib radiallahu an, was, a, was just as bad as those that the Shia disparaged from all the other companions. We Sunnis do not say such things. We believe Aqil bin Abi Talib radiallahu an, made a mistake in ijtihad like those companions also. That entire summary means that the Shia Nawasi are in fact not only Rawafid who curse the companions as Shaykhain, they are also a Nawasib. Because Shiaism in its undertones means that the Ahlul Bayt, they carried out what? Taqiyya, uh, which is concealment and they hid a creed different to the creed of the majority Muslims 
and they were two-faced the only creed that makes any sense is the creed of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah so then وَيَجِبُ فِي حَقِّهِمْ عَلِيهِمُ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ الْفَطَانَةُ It's essential in the rights of Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam al-fatana. What is al-fatana? Intelligence. Wadidduha al-baladatu. Its opposite is what? Stupidity. Meaning all the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam are the most intelligent creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wadalilu ala dhalik. The proof for that. Annahu law intafata anhum al-fatanatu. That if intelligence was negated from them, لَمَا قَدَرُوا أَنْ يُقِيمُوا حُجَّةً عَلَى الْخَصْمِ They would not have been able to establish a proof against the disputants. So for instance, what is known as مُنَاظَرَاتُ الرُّسُلِ The debates of the messengers in the Qur'an. Sayyiduna Ibrahim alayhi salam, whom did he debate? He debated Nimrud. Sayyiduna Musa alayhi salam, who did he debate? He debated Fir'aun. Nuh salam debated his qawm, his entire nation. These are known as the debates of the Anbiya wassalam. Why? Because they, they are the most intelligent human beings, the most intelligent of Allah's creation. And this is impossible that they be unable to establish a proof against the opponent. لِأَنَّ الْقُرْآنَ دَلَّ Because the Qur'an signified فِي مَوَاضِعَ كَثِيرَةٍ In numerous places عَلَىٰ إِقَامَتِهِمُ الْحُجَّةَ عَلَىٰ الْخَصْمِ That they were able to establish a proof against their opponents. So therefore, Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam are the most intelligent of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are four attributes which are what? They were a sidq, truthfulness, al-amanah, fidelity. What else? Tabligu ma umiru. That they were com- uh, the conveyance of what they were commanded to. Ma umiru bihi. And yuballigu, meaning what they were commanded to convey. And then the fourth attribute was what? intelligence these four essential attributes of Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam the opposites are impossible for the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam then with regard to what is permissible in the rights of the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam the author states وَالْجَائِزُ فِي حَقِّهِمْ عَلَيْهِمُ salatu wassalam what is permitted in their right is what al-a'radu al-bashariyatu is human qualities human qualities allati la tu'addi ila naqsin that do not reach la tu'addi that do not entail any deficiency fi maratibihim al-aliyah in their high ranks Kalmaradi wa nahwi, like an illness is permitted for a prophet. Waddalilu ala zalika mushahadatuha bihim alayhimu salatu wassalam. The fact that people saw this, that Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam were human beings.
with regard to this the anbiya alayhim salatu was salam were human beings and they had human qualities but this is conditional on the fact that those human qualities do not or do not entail deficiency or bad characteristics so for instance sayyiduna ayyub alayhi salam who is known as job in the bible he became ill but some false reports state that he became ill to the point that his body would smell wal iyadu billah this is false or there were worms coming out of the body out of the wound this is false if you come across this in any tafsir you should know that these are in fact from the ahlul kitab and false reports what this entails that the anbiya alayhim salatu wassalam would have those type of illnesses which do not entail any bad characteristic or any faults so they could have an a headache for instance or a fever these type of illnesses or an injury like war injuries like rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had war injuries in battle and even bled but they do not have those traits which which are deemed as naqs deficiency and this is important because al-imam jalaluddin as-suyuti rahimahullahu ta'ala he wrote a book known as al-khasa'is al-kubra a compendium of all the special qualities of the anbiya alayhim as-salatu wassalam this is essential to know and is established from so many ahadith for instance sayyidatuna umm haram radiyallahu anha the first sister of rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam collecting the the sweat of rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam authentic hadith and when rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam awoke he saw a dream in which he saw his nation on the seas waging jihad and the seas on boats and she requested do dua that i am from amongst them so when rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam did dua for us of course later in the khilafa of muawiyah radiyallahu an she passed away in cyprus during an expedition in conquering cyprus the grave is there today also in cyprus people visit the grave she was collecting that sweat and rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said why do you collect the sweat she said we add it to our perfumes it increases the perfumes in fragrance now that means that the anbiya alayhi salatu wassalam have special characteristics like for instance household flies or any type of flies would not sit on the on rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that was a part of his khilqa how allah created him or for instance rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had no shadow this is established even abdul rahman bin al jawzi rahimallahu ta'ala he gives citation to this and if you check al imam ibrahim al bajuri's commentary on the shama'il 
you will find reference to this. You check the notes of Sheikh Muhammad Awama, you will also find reference to this. And there are many other proofs for this. That Rasulullah did not have a shadow. Additionally, there are so many other characteristics which are the khilqa, how he was created. One of those characteristics was the nur, the light of the Prophet to the point that the companion states when Rasulullah entered Al-Madinatul Munawwarah, everything became illuminated and when we buried Rasulullah that light disappeared. This is authentic. It's found in authentic hadith. Or when the companions mention that a light would appear from the mouth and the face of Rasulullah this was an actual light. It was not poetic speech. There was a physical light observed with Rasulullah And similarly, all Anbiya والسلام, are created with such characteristics that if they do not bathe, they will not smell. If they do not pare their nails, their nails will never overgrow. This explains why Sayyiduna Isa was able to wander in the wilderness for days on end, yet his clothes would remain clean. The Christians attempted to imitate this, the monks, but they were unable to do this because they have not been created in that way. Any clothing that is attached to the body of a Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that clothing will never rot or disintegrate or even become impure. What is the proof for this? When Sayyiduna Uzair salam, when he went, as the Quran states in Surah Al-Baqarah, that verse, it mentions that Sayyiduna Uzair salam, when he passed away, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took away his soul. When he was resurrected and his soul was placed back into him, when the soul was placed back into him, he observed the donkey. The donkey was what? Was bones. But the food that was in the bag which he had, the satchel, the food stayed preserved. But the clothing of Sayyiduna Uzair also stayed preserved along with his body. The Anbiya والسلام, are buried in their clothing. And on the Day of Judgment, they are raised, everyone else is raised naked. But the Prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are not raised naked. Even though Ibrahim salam, the hadith mentions that they will be given cloaks. And the, the order of the cloaks is mentioned. It does not mean that they are naked in the first place. They are given special clothing for the Day of Judgment. So there are so many special qualities of Rasulullah that this makes the distinction between Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah and the Wahhabis. Or those who are influenced by Wahhabism, like many of the Diobandis also, that they deny these special qualities and they claim regarding Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah that you have given divinity to Rasulullah wal Billah. 
when in reality these attributes are not divine attributes, they are attributes of creation. Because once we have studied that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not located in place and time, Allah is not a body, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot be described as being darkness or light or with organs. All these descriptions do not apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know that when we study the khasais of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa it affirms his humanness. قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَنَا بَشَرٌ مِثْلُكُمْ يُوحَى إِلَيَّ أَنَّمَا إِلَاهُكُمْ إِلَاهٌ وَاحِدٌ This verse is often cited by Wahhabis in order to say, look, Rasulullah is a man like you. The ver- we, when we affirm the special qualities, we affirm the Bashar. This means that he is a human. But the way you would refer to as Imam al-Busiri, rahimahullah ta'ala, mentions in his ode, al-Burdah, Burdatul Madih, that the way you have stones, common stones, and then amongst the stones you may have a ruby, the ruby is still a stone. We are all human beings, all the Anbiya والسلام, are human beings, but they have special qualities. And this is why it's essential for people to read Al-Shifa of Al-Imam Al-Qadi Iyad Rahimallahu Ta'ala. Iyad bin Musa Al-Yahsubi Rahimallahu Ta'ala. This book is in English. It's been translated into English. It's available in English. It's essential reading. Al-Shifa. Also, the Khasais of Al-Imam Suyuti, Al-Khasais Al-Sughra is in English. These books are essential reading for all Muslims. As for the light of Rasulullah being the first of the creation, even the Diobandi scholar Anwar Shah Kashmiri, in his commentary on the Jami' of Al-Imam Al-Tirmidhi, he affirms, the fact that the light of Rasulullah was the first creation. By the way, this is not an issue of creed. If someone denies this, it's an issue of what? Fadila, virtue. But under the hadith, it's al-qalamu, because it's khabar of awwalu. Some people read it wrong as awwalu ma khalaqallahu al-qalama. But under the commentary of that, you will find Anwar Shah Kashmiri affirming the nur of Rasulullah as the first creation. Because the hadith says the first thing Allah created was the pen. He states this is relative. The pen was created first relatively to what comes after it. The same is stated by Imam Jalaluddin Sayyuti rahimallahu ta'ala in his commentary on Tirmidhi, which is interesting because when it comes to the hadith of Nur, Imam Jalaluddin Sayyuti elsewhere writes, La asla lahu, there is no basis for this hadith. And some people give citation to this, even though other ulama have given a basis for the hadith, like Al-Imam Ismail Al-Ajluni Rahimallahu Ta'ala in his book Kashf Al-Khafa as well as Al-Allama Abdul Hay Al-Laknawi Rahimallahu Ta'ala in his book on forged hadith. He has a discussion that there is a basis for this hadith. Now these things, they do not fall into essential aspects of belief. Uh, 
with regard to the first creation being the nur of the Prophet ﷺ, but for someone to claim it is shirk or it is bid'ah in belief, this is false also. In the previous dars, I mentioned that some people make a mistake where they say, min nurihi, nur min nurillah, a light from the lights of Allah. I said this is min ibtida'iyah, it means Allah created the light of the Prophet ﷺ. For anyone to claim that it's from the essence of Allah, this would entail shirk, polytheism. Now from amongst those special qualities of Rasulullah ﷺ is that at tawassul, seeking at tawassul through the Messenger of Allah ﷺ is permitted when he was alive and people did this alive on earth, to the point that the Bedouin approached Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was on the pulpit and said the people are perishing because of the dryness of the land. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam supplicated and then it rained so much for an entire week that the entire city became flooded and the Bedouin, the same Bedouin came the next week and he said, O Messenger of Allah, the roads have become blocked, meaning there's too much rain. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam supplicated again. And he said, Hawalina around us, not up on, on top of us. So the clouds were dispersed around the city. This occurred numerous times to the point that after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed away, as is mentioned in the Sunan of Al-Imam Darmi, there was a drought. And Sayyidatuna Aisha radiallahu anha commanded the people to open a window that was in the roof or a gap that was in the roof of the chamber of Sayyidatuna Aisha radiallahu anha over the grave of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it rained. To this day, if you look at the Green Dome, you can see a small window that was placed there by the Ottomans because the Ottomans were the ones who constructed the Green Dome. Prior to them, there was a blue dome which is still underneath the green dome. That was constructed by the Mamluks. So that window represents that place. If you open, it opens directly over the grave of the Prophet ﷺ. The narration is authentic. Of course, Wahhabis reject all these narrations. But there is no logic in their belief. After Rasulullah ﷺ passes away, a tawassul is permitted. Through Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it's decisively permitted. And on Yawm al-Qiyamah, all the Muslims will seek a shafa'atul kubra, which is also a tawassul. So while we are living this worldly life, we should know that firstly our actions are presented to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in his noble grave. This is proven in an authentic hadith Al-Imam al-Bazzar narrates in his Musnad that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, My life is a great good for you, hayati khayrul lakum, wa mamati khayrul lakum. My passing away is a great good for you also. They inquired, they said, How is your passing away a great good? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Tuhdithuna wa yuhdathu lakum. You will... Carry out actions and then you will be informed with regard to those actions. It's also with the tashdeed. To hadithuna, you will relate. 
and it will be related back to you. But how is the passing away a great good? Your actions will be presented to me. When I see good, I will praise Allah. I will seek the forgiveness of Allah for you. So this means when we do dua to Allah, because dua is only to Allah, it's a false claim for anyone to say that Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah call for doing dua to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We do not do dua to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We do not do dua to any wali. We only do dua to Allah. But in the dua to Allah, you can do dua to Allah and also do a tawassul through Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in a guidance in accordance with the Sunnah. What is the Sunnah? The famous hadith of Sayyiduna Uthman bin Hunayf radiallahu an, when the blind man came and he said, O Messenger of Allah, do dua Allah, return my eyesight. And then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa instructed him to perform wudu, perform the prayer, two cycles of prayer, and then do the dua, Allahumma inni as'aluka wa atawajjahu ilayka bi nabiyyika nabiyya rahmah. Ya Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Oh Allah I turn to you and I ask you by your Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Oh Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam When he addresses the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam What does it mean? It entails the tawassul of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Which is his dua, his status, all of these things So to learn that, you learn the correct dua as is found in Kitabul Adhkar of Imam Nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala. You find the wording of the dua. This is also decisively proven. And unlike a tawassul through others, a tawassul through Rasulullah is something that is decisively established in the sunnah of Rasulullah There is something else that needs to be mentioned. At-tabarruk bil-athar, seeking blessings through relics, is something that is established in, in the sunnah. That the companions, Ali Muridwan, they preserve the sandal of the Prophet For today, for some Wahhabis to make a mockery of the sandal, it goes against the authentic hadith. Because the, the Sahaba, Ali Muridwan, they, they preserved the sandal of the Prophet Similarly, the hairs of the Prophet ﷺ, even the nail clippings of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. This is from the Khasisa, special qualities of Rasulullah ﷺ. You cannot do this for anyone else with the nails or the hair. Why? Because every person in Sharia, once they clip their hair, the hair must be what? Buried. The nails must be buried. This is specific to the Prophet ﷺ. Even though with clothing and such things, you can do tabarruk like when Al-Imam al-Shafi'i requested the shirt of Al-Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal for tabarruk. It's authentically reported. 
He asked for his shirt. For a tabarruk. What is a tabarruk? When you receive such a thing, you do dua to Allah, that Allah place blessings in your health or of those type of things. This is all permitted. What's not permitted is al-ghulub. What is al-ghulub? The exaggeration which ignorant people do today. That we do see around graves where they do circumambulation around graves. This is all haram. It's haram to perform sajda to a grave. It's haram to perform tawaf around graves. According to the fatwa of Imam Ahmad Ridha Khan, ta'ala, it's haram to even touch the grave. A person should stay away from the grave. While other fuqaha, they disputed this. But today people misapply the label Barelwi on ignorant Sufi groups. So there are many ignorant Sufi groups throughout the world. But when we observe ignorant Sufi groups in India and Pakistan, unfortunately people are applying the name Al-Barelwi upon these groups when in reality someone who is from the town of Bareli is a Barelwi. These ignorant people who perform circumambulation of the graves, who do sajda of the graves, who touch the graves and then call out the name of the wali with no adab, no respect. This goes all against the teachings of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. You cannot have ghalu. Some of them have Shia practices in their yearly anniversaries. They have bid'ah in their actions, Shia practices. Some of them have different practices which have no basis in the Quran and Sunnah. While everything I've mentioned to you previously, it has basis in the Quran and Sunnah. Now, the condemnation of bid'ah is found in the works of the scholars of the ulama of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, like the, the Imam, Al Imam Abu Shama, rahimallahu ta'ala, he wrote an entire book on the condemnation of bid'ah, innovation in religion. So this is why it's a fard upon the ulama, an obligation on the ulama to give bayan from the Quran and Sunnah, mention that which has been established from the Sunnah, from the books of Hadith, and give clear condemnation of those practices which have no basis in the Quran and Sunnah. Instruct the people to call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not to have ghulub, exaggeration in their practices. One person, unfortunately, he related a story of Imam Junaid al-Baghdadi rahimallahu ta'ala to an entire audience of thousands of people and then claimed that the story is authentic. Now, even though Imam Ahmad Ridha Khan rahimallahu ta'ala mentions this story in Al-Malfud, anyone who's read Al-Malfud would know it's the informal conversations of Imam Ahmad Ridha Khan with his son Mustafa Ridha Khan. When the person relayed the story to the people, he added things, ilhaq, additional things which do, are not even mentioned in the version mentioned by Imam Ahmad Ridha Khan. Things like what? That to call upon Allah. The man had a waswasa that he must be call, he should call upon Allah. How can that be referred to as waswasa? It's not a waswasa. A person should always call upon Allah alone. Additionally, there were other ilhaq 
in the story if you listen to the way the story was told there is no basis for this entire story in fact atahaddahu atahaddahu to bring the real the foundational story the the source where is this from authentically so is that found in the arabic sources the answer is no so why are you relating such type of stories to your ignorant followers or a crowd of people who do not know basic tawhid and this is why within ahl sunnah wal jamaah al allama abdul hakim sharaf qadri rahimallahu ta'ala our teacher's teacher he wrote a book khudaqo yaad rak pyare what was the book about it was about exaggeration amongst these ignorant people khudaqo yaad rak pyare that our people should be taught the attributes of Allah regarding tawhid teach them the khasais of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam teach them how to call upon allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone teach them the dua of tawassul as found in the sunnah but do not tell them fables which have no basis so therefore this story with its additions has no basis and even if it's found in al-malfuz al-malfuz or any other work written in the 1800s is not a reference book reference from works like sirr alam an-nubala of al-imam al-dhahabi or tariq al-islam of al-dhahabi give some citation with the chain of narration authentically to al-imam junaid the way you related it in the speech this will never be found so this is why it's essential for sunni muslims to preach al-Qur'an wa sunnah in all the maulids that they do in the urs commemorations that they do they should preach al-Qur'an wa sunnah call people back to tawhid abandonment of bid'ah in religion of Allah if you check our hanafi fiqh books they are so strict on bid'ah you check some of the hanafi fiqh works they are very strict on bid'ah so Then the author rahimallahu ta'ala he goes on to the khatima the conclusion of the work what does he say yajibu ala shakhsi an ya'rifa that a, it's essential upon a person to know nasabahu sallallahu alayhi wasallam to know the lineage of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam min jihati abihi wa min jihati ummihi from the direction of his father and the direction of his mother so he, he writes down the the nasab and nasab al-sharif here it is essential to mention all the ancestors of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam were free from a zina they never had a zina fornication or adultery similarly they were all upon al-fitra the natural disposition which is the belief of tawhid they were all upon tawhid this is the correct position that was taken by al-imam jalaluddin as-suyuti and others al-imam jalaluddin as-suyuti rahimallahu ta'ala even wrote six monographs on the belief of the parents of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this is the correct position the other position is aberrant it's wrong 
and it's a mistake. Like you find some mistaken positions that we cannot say there is ijma on the issue, but you know the, the people are mistaken in that issue. Like for instance, the aberrant position that Maryam salam was a nabiya. This is aberrant. But there is no ijma on the issue. One odd scholar may have said that. Similarly, if some scholar said something contradicting the faith of the parents of the Prophet ﷺ, they have made a mistake. It's, mar, it's al-qawlul marjuh. The, the qawl is not accepted. The correct position is that they were believers. So the author rahimahullah ta'ala mentions the nasab. He states, فَأَمَّا نَسَبُهُ مِنْ جِهَةِ أَبِيهِ As for the lineage of the Prophet ﷺ from his father, فَهُوَ سَيِّدُنَا مُحَمَّدْ بن عبد الله بن عبد المطلب بن هاشم بن عبد مناف بن قصي بن كلاب بن مره بن كعب بن لوي بن غالب بن فهر بن مالك بن النضر بن كنانه بن خزيمه بن مدركه بن الياس بن مضر بن نزار بن معد بن عدنان so he says, وَلَيْسَ فِيمَا بَعْدَهُ إِلَىٰ آدَمَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ طَرِيقٌ صَحِيحٌ فِيمَا نُقِلٌ Up to Sayyiduna Adnan, all the way up to Sayyiduna Adam alayhi salam, there is no authentic chain for that particular uh, lineage. And then he states, وَأَمَّا نَسَبُهُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مِنْ جِهَةِ أُمِّهِ as for the lineage of the Prophet ﷺ from his mother, فَهُوَ سَيِّدُنَا مُحَمَّدْ ﷺ بِنْ آمِنَةِ The son of Amina. Let me mention something. When Rasulullah ﷺ visited the grave of Sayyidatuna Amina radiallahu anha and was stopped from seeking istighfar for her, as in the Sahih of Imam Muslim, the meaning of this is that she was from Ahlu La Ilaha Illallah. Why do I say this? Because on the Day of Judgment, Rasulullah will intercede for different groups. When Rasulullah will come to a particular group at the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say that I myself will take them out of hell, meaning without intercession. Who are they? Ahlu la ilaha illallah. People who died on faith, on iman. What does that mean? It means sometimes Rasulullah is prevented from something good. Prevented from something good. But it does not mean that the person for whom he was attempting to seek forgiveness is condemned to hell. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself removes those people from hellfire. So when Rasulullah was prohibited from seeking forgiveness for his mother, it was not because she was from Ahlul Kufar, it was because she was from those special people like the Ahlul La Ilaha Illallah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself has given salvation to. People may disagree with that interpretation, but the reality is that there is no better interpretation. 
Additionally, the, the hadith, Inna abi wa abaka finnar. This hadith, the addition of abi, Inna abi, indeed my father and your father in fire, the addition of the wording abi is only added by one student of Thabit al-Bunani. Thabit al-Bunani is the student of Anas bin Malik radiallahu his student, Hamad bin Salama, he alone adds that word. All the other narrators do not add the word Abi, my father. They only have, Inna abaka finnar. Indeed, your father is in hellfire. So there is no authentic proof to say the parents of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam are in hellfire. Additionally, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was permitted to visit the mother of the grave of his mother. He was permitted to do so. When the general rule for polytheists is you are not permitted to visit their graves. So, Sayyidatuna Amina bint Wahab bin Abd Manaf bin Zuhra bin Kilab. So at Kilab, they, their lineage gathers. Their lineage gathers. فَتَجْتَمِعُوا مَعَهُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ فِي جَدِّهِ كِلَابِ so Sayyidatuna Amina radiallahu anha, her lineage gathers with the lineage of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the ancestor kilab. What is essential also to know for every believer? That the mukallaf should know that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has a basin. What is that basin? Hawd, Hawdul Kawthar. The basin is outside of paradise. On the Day of Judgment, people will go and drink from the basin. And the number of cups is more than the number of stars. And anyone who drinks from the basin, they will never thirst again. That the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa will intercede in Fasl al-Qada. What is this? On the Day of Judgment, there shall be an earthquake at the beginning, a tremor, severe tremor, to the point that the people shall become worried and it will not stop. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi this will be the first intercession. He will intercede to Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will stop the tremor, the earthquake. Because the earthquake will be so terrible that the disbelievers will say, give us the judgment even if we have to go to hell. At that point, Rasulullah will carry out the first shafa'ah, the first intercession, which will be stopping the, the earthquake. وَهَذِهِ الشَّفَاعَةُ مُخْتَصَّةٌ بِهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. That this intercession is specific to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. وَمِمَّا يَجِبُ أَيْضًا What is also essential أَنْ يَعْرِفَ الرُّسُولَ الْمَذْكُورَةَ فِي الْقُرْآنِ تَفْصِيلًا That every believer should know the messengers عليهم الصلاة والسلام that are mentioned in the Qur'an. وَأَمَّا غَيْرُهُمْ فَيَجِبُ عَلَيْهِ أَنْ يَعْرِفَهُمْ إِجْمَالًا 
So all the Anbiya salam who are mentioned in the Quran, every believer should know. From Adam salam to Nuh salam to Ibrahim salam to Yaqub salam, Ishaq salam, Ismail salam, Yusuf salam, Musa salam, Harun salam, Dawood salam, Suleiman salam, like this. Isa salam, all the Anbiya salam, him should know from Al-Quran Al-Kareem. And those prophets that are not mentioned in the Quran, he should know them by way of summary. وَقَدْ نَظَمَ بَعْضُهُمْ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ Some of them placed the prophets والسلام, in a composition الَّذِينَ تَجِبُ مَعْرِفَتُهُمْ تَفْصِيلًا They placed those Anbiya والسلام, in a poem, uh, a detailed poem which is written in its place. So, Inshallah, in the future texts that we will be covering, we will cover these things in detail. What is also essential to know is that his century, the century of the Prophet وسلم, is the best of centuries. This means the Salihin from that time. The Salihin from each time are the best Salihin, which are known as As-Salafus Salihun, the pious predecessors. Then the author, Rahimallah Ta'ala, he finishes the book. So I skipped the poem which mentions the names of the Anbiya Ali Musalatu Salam because we will do that elsewhere in Al-Aqidatu Tahawiyah, inshaAllah Ta'ala. He mentions the progeny of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he states, وَيَنْبَغِي لِلشَّخْصِ أَنْ يَعْرِفَ أَوْلَادَهُ That a person should know the progeny of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam وَهُمْ سَبْعَةٌ عَلَى الصَّحِيحِ They are seven according to the authentic position. Sayyiduna Al-Qasim وَسَيْدَتُنَا زَيْنَبِ وَسَيْدَتُنَا رُقِيَّةِ وَسَيْدَتُنَا فَاطِمَةِ وَسَيْدَتُنَا أُمْ كَلْثُومِ وَسَيْدُنَا عَبْدُ اللَّهِ وَهُوَ الْمُلَقَّبْ بِالطَّيِّبِ وَالطَّاهِرِ So Sayyiduna Abdullah has the names, nicknames of a Tayyib and a Tahir. وَسَيْدُنَا إِبْرَاهِيمِ وَكُلُّهُمْ مِنْ سَيْدَتِنَا خَدِيجَةِ الْكُبْرَى All of them are from Sayyidatuna Khadija Al-Kubra alayhimu salam. إِلَّا سَيْدْنَا إِبْرَاهِيمِ فَهُوَ مِنْ مَارِيَةَ الْقِبْطِيَةِ Sayyidna Ibrahim is from Maria Al-Qibtiyah alayhimu salam. Here, is it permissible to say alayhimu salam after Ahlul Bayt? The answer is, yes, it is permitted. The prohibition that is mentioned is saying alayhimu salatu wassalam because that is for Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam. So the way we say Sayyidatuna Maryam alayhi salam, we can say Sayyidatuna Fatima alayhi salam. But the Shia, Rawafid, they limit the daughters of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi only to Sayyidatuna Fatima radiallahu anha. They reject the other daughters. So again, as I mentioned at the beginning, the real Nawasib are the Shia Rawafid. They despise the Ahlul Bayt because 
Aside from those who support Yazid, they are Nawasib also. Anyone who supports Yazid is a Nasibi. But the Shia Rawafid, they support a form of Nasibi taught by rejecting the other daughters of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to give us death upon Ahl Sunnah Wal Jama'ah, Husn Al Khatimah, and the correct beliefs. أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم وأتوب إليه جزا الله عنا سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم ما هو أهله اللهم فقهنا في الدين وعلمنا التأويل اللهم إنا نسألك العفو والعافية والنعمة الدائمة والمعافى في الصحة والبدن والمال والأهل والأولاد والعرض والعقل والدين وكل شيء يا رب العالمين اللهم احفظنا من الفتن ما ظهر منها وما بطن واحفظنا من المحن والبلايا التي تخرج من الأرض وتنزل من السماء واحفظنا من الآفات والأسقام والأوجاع والأمراض وارزقنا الصحة الكاملة يا رب العالمين وارزقنا حسن الخاتمة على السنة والجماعة واحفظنا من عذاب القبر وضغط القبر وظلمة القبر ووحشة القبر وآنسنا بالقرآن الكريم في الدنيا والآخرة يا رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه